You're listening to 1001 Album Club, where every episode we discuss a different album from Robert Emery's book, 1001 Albums You Must Hear Before You Die. This episode, we'll be talking about the Mekons, Fear and Whiskey. In the room, I got Rob. Hey, buddy. And on the line, I have Ben. Hey. And Kyle. Hi there. Fear and Whiskey is the fourth studio album by the English rock band, the Mekons. It was released in 1985 on the Sin label. The producer was the Mekons, and the genre is alternative rock, alternative country. I'm going to read from the book, Peter Watts. The Mekons were one of the UK's most brilliant and undervalued groups, formed as a loose collective in Leeds in 1977. When they were starting to mess around with the Gang of Four's equipment, they released a couple of chaotic LPs and then took a sabbatical. Energized by the UK miners' strike of 1984-85, the band, with the original members, Reemerge with Fear and Whiskey, lauded as many as the best album of the decade. Often and inaccurately considered the beginning of alt country, Fear and Whiskey is no conventional cowpunk hoedown, but rather a ferocious parcel of punk, folk, pop, dub, and country. Sure, there is Susie Honeyman's frantic fiddling and the honky-tonk waltz of darkness and doubt, but Fear and Whiskey is country as played by English punks, with a fondness for Merle Haggard. It is this conflict that lends them their jarring edge and sounding like a collision between Gang of Four, the Redskins, the Pogues, and Johnny Cash, the band blistered through chirpy opener chivalry before laying out the political backdrop on Trouble Down South, a menacing call to arms set to a relentless military drum roll. Hard to be human again is the brilliant, bitter highlight of side one, but the album really hits its stride in the audacious second half, culminating in the perfect pop of Lost Dance and the delirious cover of Lost Highway. All right, what do we think of the Mekons? I think the second last song is called Last Dance, and I believe... The... It says Lost Dance here. I got Last, last Dance. dance. Yeah. yeah. We got a misprint. This book. My <laughs> God. It needs an editor. Is what it yeah, means. I thought... I thought that was weird too, but yeah, okay. So it's the book. Uh, I'm so late to this Mekons party. <laughs> yeah, all of us are. Yeah, I've never, late to this. This I've never heard this. Incredible. I, I, well, yeah, so given the musical tastes of the fellows in the in uh, on this, yeah, we 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 all should have been listening to this since we were teenagers. Big brothers have let us down again. Yeah, but you were the big brother. <laughs> I am the big brother. I don't know. I need like a young a young. I need like a young uncle. I need someone that's going to show teenage me the Meekins, and I had no one. No, I mean, no one showed anyone the Meekins if their record sales are yeah, to reflect anything. Yeah, it really seems like this is just one of the the hidden gems, right? Yeah. Like, no one listened to this. No one got it. The critics were like, yeah, this is great. But then no one bought no, it. Yeah. The, yeah. A, a good-selling Meekins record was 8,000 yeah. total. 
<laughs> is it a distribution? Is it like a like a pressing and distribution thing? Like it, they they got great reviews. No, they they were on a number of people call really, it the best album of the eighties. <laughs> they're on a number of really good labels. <laughs> Just they don't they don't sell like they're critical darlings that and they have a voracious fan base that just stops <laughs> i mean i just think there's something about this type of music like the meat puppets that just mm-hmm. doesn't appeal to a large swath of people you can't quantify it as pop music it sounds loose and it it's not as tight as maybe people were expecting for country music it's not punk so you can't market it as punk it just sits outside it's almost as outsider art. You can't package it or explain it in a succinct way. Tight is overrated. Yeah, tight is overrated. But I, I mean, the, ugh, like songs on this record, Hard to Be Human Again should have been a top 10 like single. Like that is yeah. a, that is yeah. a fucking pop it, masterpiece. Like, how did I not hear that on like the Gross Point Blank soundtrack? It just seems like th- that song would have bubbled up to the surface in the last 40 years I've been on this. Right. Earth. Yeah. You know? And same with Last Dance. Like it's just they they have they have a pop sensibility that like yeah appeals to me at least. And yeah. apparently, uh, the 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 loose collection of uh, students that from which the Meekins were were formed that's uh, the Gang of Four formed out of that same group of friends. Right. Yeah. I and I guess was re- I guess earlier Meekins is kind of it just sounds like looser crazier gang of four i i haven't yeah that's what i was reading it's a bit more punk it sounds loose yeah <laughs> they don't know what they're doing very very loose <laughs> yeah. they don't know how to play their instruments for sure yeah gang, gang of four know what they were doing all of us yeah there's a there's a documentary called uh revenge of the meekins or Mekons. it's it, about an hour and a half and it covers the entirety of their existence and there's a there's a lot of shit in between yeah it has some good concert footage of their early stuff Mm -hmm. too in comparisons to other bands like the clash and gang of four yeah um i mean early on they were signed before gang of four to virgin to virgin (laughs) and they were laughing because they're like uh we're not a real band like gang of four is the actual band Mm -hmm. we're just the people who screw around with their equipment after they take a break (laughs) (laughs) yeah they they record didn't they record their first album with gang of four's gear yeah. yeah, and then there was like there was like a mix up at the uh, at the printing plant, and on the back of the album is a picture of Gang of Four instead of Meekins. <laughs> All of this is true. Wow. <laughs> but they did the punk thing. Uh, they quit the punk thing because the uh, what the hell is that right wing movement? Like the, uh, the, the no, Nazis, National no, Front, National Front, yeah, yeah, na- like National Front were showing up to all their shows because the only shows they were really doing were like. You know, uh, for like Minor benefits for yeah, and, oh, even before that, yeah. like it was it was all just like you know, like anyone who was oppressed, they were playing benefit shows for. So that would get the national front there, and there was just constant fights, constant fights, constant fights to the point where the last show that they played, they were they were uh, going to be going on after Gang of Four, and Gang of Four goes on, and like there's a stabbing in the audience before they even start, and then that's that's when they stopped. Two years it's later, the minor 80s, strikes. Right? So yeah. what? Yeah. Until like the eighties, right? Uh, yeah. Like I mean, yeah, it's a couple of years, but yeah, minor strikes started happening, and then they uh they got active again. Is um, isn't uh uh Fear and Whiskey? Isn't this like their first album back? This is their second album. Mm-hmm. There you yeah. go. Yeah. Yeah. No sophomore slump with these guys. Mm-hmm. So they were playing like uh like social political benefits and also Richard Branson's parties. 
Yes. I, I don't was... know about the Rinser Branson party, though. Like, I, I don't know how Virgin found them. Not to fact check you, but this is their fourth studio album. Well, I am a liar. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, Is it their first one back, though? Yes, it is. This their is their, one. yeah, and it's a dramatic shift from their yeah. previous album. So you're, you're like, partially right in that. No, I, read, I was completely uh, wrong. Thank you. <laughs> I read I read a quote from uh, uh, John Langford. I'm, I'm pretty sure about like the country influence of this one. I, I liked it. I, this isn't uh, verbatim, but uh, to, to the effect of he was listening to a lot of country music in in like the late '70s and early '80s, and at some point, the three chords of punk and the three chords of country just kind of got muddled up in his head. And this is the kind of music he makes now. Yeah, yeah. I, I like I like that. I could see that happening. Mm-hmm. You know. <laughs> Yeah, there was a uh, fella named, how you say, uh, Terry Nelson, who was a DJ in Chicago that uh, was into them, who was sending them over like Ernest Tubb and uh, Hank Williams and Merle Haggard and and just like it, basically like giving them like the uh, the 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 starter pack of, of country music and they're they had an understanding that like country was based was based off of Appalachian stuff that the Appalachians were drawing from like early British music, mm-hmm. like period. So like yeah, the, yeah, the, the, was, the, the was, British and Irish immigrants brought that music to Appalachia and, and then it became Appalachian music. Yep. And so it was a, it, it was an easy enough fit. Um, yeah. But the, the best thing that I, I learned from that documentary was uh, they were uh, introduced to um um, it was the, um, uh, the sundowners. Thank God. Okay. Yeah. So they, uh, they, they just kind of stumbled in on a sundowner show. And, uh, the quote is from the, uh, the wife of the late Kurt De- or Delaney, who was the bassist, uh, 4 30 AM. Kurt comes in, honey, are you awake? Well, I am now. Well, you'll never guess what fell through the door tonight. A bunch of punk rock kids from England called the Mekons. <laughs> and, oh really uh did you get them up on stage oh yeah well are they any good not really but they're willing to learn <laughs> yeah willing to learn is honestly more important than than being good <laughs> yeah i think so too yeah 100 yeah i mean then they they just could not get enough of like the country stuff like they 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 put it together that like you know it there's a direct connection to uh yeah, like because they were super into the folk scene uh, as well. Like they were, I guess, the second generation English folk that was happening. That was so also they were into like like Fairport and shit. Yeah, because all that shit was incredibly left leaning as well. Like they were, uh, oh they, yeah, they were political from the get go, um, and that that never stopped being the case. But jumping back from that stuff, man, let's just talk about this record. Um, it's like uh, 
It's like one of the best things I ever heard. Yeah, it's really, really good. Astonishing. And one thing I thought was interesting was uh, a lot of it's political. And this came out, you know, I was thinking about like We Are the World and like Bob Geldof doing those songs and do they know it's Christmas time in Africa? You know, like all those kind of goofy songs. Like, yeah. we're yeah. stars! <laughs> we're stars! And then you hear this, like, harrowing, like, heart... Wait, Rob, what were you doing there? <laughs> we're stars. Wait, what was that? Uh, like, <laughs> the, the metal... The, the hearing, right? aid, hearing aid? Hearing the response aid? to Band-Aid? <laughs> wow, I haven't thought about that in years. Thanks. So, okay, so yeah, like that kind of stuff's going on. And then you listen to this, and it's just like this harrowing, like, dark. It's like right, like every song. Like, some songs are like brutal, beautiful, like melancholy. Um, yeah, I I was knocked down by this record. Yeah, I, I drew a quick parallel to stuff that Joe Strummer was doing in The Clash um, mm-hmm, when, when you're mm-hmm. talking to I mean, it's pretty obvious because they're they're playing off of White Riot and uh, they made the song early on called Never Been in a Riot. I mean, kind of to poke fun at, you know, like the clash of of talking about, you know, they thought they were going a little extreme talking about the the northern front. They didn't fully get what the clash were talking yeah, about because of yeah. where they lived. Yeah, and they're like, well, the people, the white people that are riding, they're Nazis. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So they kind of poke fun at that um, with never been in a riot. Well, but, right now we're listening to uh, country, and I, I I definitely get Joe Strummer class vibes from yeah. from this track. Yeah, I mean, there it's it's just obvious to me. Um, how this fits into the continuation of that sort of ideas um, on London Calling and uh, even Sandinista. Yeah, for sure. So this is self-produced, yeah? Yes, self-produced. Cool. I I think that's a running theme throughout their existence. Mm -hmm. Like they just, I don't know, like they're, the band members like shift. Like the, the, because it's a collective, it never, it'll never end. Yeah. It feels like they're just friends who decided, well, this is something they to do. They still got a few, a few original members, though, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. I think uh, uh, John Langford and Tom mm-hmm. Greenhaw are f- uh, from the original 1977 lineup. Yep. Yeah. But it, it always just, it, it's like, instead of considering it, you know, the job job of the Mekons, it's the project, you know, mm-hmm. they, they all kind of have their own lives and when they get together, then that's, that's when they write music. That's when they, uh, sort of create all these songs yeah. and they do it collaboratively. I mean, yeah, pe- people are writing lyrics for, and people are looking at those lyrics and then, you know, writing music. And so it's, it feels I like a real my life. Lo- they, loose structure. They say no one comes in with an idea. <laughs> Like yeah. when, when they get together, no yeah. one no one has anything. They just hash it out, which seems kind of counterproductive to me. <laughs> like, yeah, we need uh, more loose music collectives in the, in this town that we're all growing old in. Yeah, I agree. It's just like good guitar Actually, work that you you wouldn't expect from a guy who doesn't really know how to play the guitar. Yeah, that was that was years ago. That was pre hiatus. Yeah, maybe he's been practicing. Yeah. Oh, one of the weird things that happened during the uh, the miner strike was um, a dude named Dick Taylor. Um, he was a former Rolling Stone. Like when the Rolling Stones first started, like in college, he was the guitarist. Like he just showed up at one of the miner strike show with his like guitar and his amp, and like came up on stage, plugged in, 
was louder than everybody else and just played along with them and like then he became a Mekon. <laughs> that's awesome. <laughs> that's all you need to do. Fred well, Armstead, he's that a Mekon. Yeah. yeah, Fred. If Armstead. that's all I need to do, if all I need to do is be louder than the than the Mekons, <laughs> <laughs> that's an achievable goal. Yeah. How about this fiddly power pop of Last Dance? Yeah, like I said, could have been a top ten hit. Yeah, yeah. That one really stuck out to me, too. It's so a cl- beautiful song. So close to the Pogues, too. I mean, that's mm-hmm. when I heard that song, I was like, that could have been right off yep. of uh, Rum, Sodomy, and the Lash. Did they mm-hmm. at least like tour together back in the day? I don't think so. I don't think at all. They're I mean, on that I did... same little Ohio-sized island, and they're not touring together? I heard nothing um, of them touring together, but I can't imagine they wouldn't have shared at least one or two bills. Like, I mean, they a couple of the people like moved over like stateside pretty early on, so like it, you know, it it was no longer like it, the collective aspect like wouldn't have lent itself to easy ease of playing shows in like you know foggy London town. I'm just very surprised that this had never crossed my uh, my ear holes before this week. Yeah, what a treat. What a treat. treat. Yeah. referred to as the first alt country album have we not yet covered anything that could be considered an earlier alt country album Uh, yeah birch said that that was an incorrect statement right wasn't it the intro yeah they claim uh in the book that the works of x uh jason and the scorchers or the meat puppets might have been considered earlier than uh the meat i think all all of that could be considered just as much alt country as this Mm mm-hmm and this is not cowpunk. This is not this cowpunk. Is not cowpunk. <laughs> a real. <laughs> I love your fascination with cowpunk <laughs> that we didn't make up. Cowpunk is fix... a real genre. <laughs> I believe you. I just, I just can't suss it out. It's like, it's, like I'm colorblind, and it's a color I can't see. It's very know. hard to describe. But... You ever listen to Social Distortion? I, I try Re- not to. Regional <laughs> bands that are going for that would be cowpunk. Oh. Are they cowpunk? Social D. Social D. Are they cowpunks? I, I, I don't know. Maybe not. But definitely. But definitely all of their acolytes. Mm. Hmm. I feel like if they had a acoustic guitar playing Social Distortion, that would be cowpunk, or acoustic that was amplified. Everything you're describing sounds like something I hate, but Ted, I know that I Ted enjoy Leo. Cowpunk, so I, I don't. I don't know. Go with Ted Leo. How about that? Okay. I'm more confused um, than when I brought up Cowpunk. <laughs> well, that's place. your fault, buddy. <laughs> uh, after they were signed, they were <clears throat> swiftly dropped by the Virgin Records <laughs> label uh, in the Aww. early 80s, and they transformed into uh, this. They, they they basically got signed, dropped, and then they're, all of a sudden they come out with this, which is amazing because I can't imagine like a Virgin wouldn't have loved to have this album instead of... Oh, yeah. The previous albums. 
Well, Vir Virgin yeah. couldn't sit around and wait for a miners' strike to happen to inspire them to, <laughs> to regroup. <laughs> yeah, the video stuff I saw of the miners' strike just reminded me that Thatcher was a monster. Like yeah, a was, full on yeah. monster, monster yeah. person. Yeah. And I think Lost Highway is a sundowner song. Yeah. It was written by Leon Payne. Is he a sundowner? I believe so. What was a sundowner? That's the band that they met in Chicago who taught them how country music is supposed to go. <laughs> <laughs> he even um, did impressions. My gums flapped. <laughs> I, I, I put some. Put some was it when I was kicked it. out, Rob? No, no, you were there. You were staring at me the whole time. Sure, I was, I was but I think out. I think you were thinking of things that you'd rather be saying. <laughs> oh yeah, it's probably uh, not. I think he framed somebody. So he he was. He played with uh, uh, Bob Willis and the Texas Playboys for a while. He died in 1969, oh, so okay, I don't so. think he was a sundowner. You know what? I am. I've been so wrong so many times. <laughs> no one should listen to me on this episode. I am. I am just. Apparently, a, I didn't. I'm full of lies. <laughs> <laughs> the deceit. And if you'd like to hear more of these lies and deceit, please subscribe to our Patreon, where I will. If you. Give me enough money, I will lie right to your face. It's not that much money that he no, needs to really lie right not. to your face. I will, I will do it. It's going to be awesome. This album has 10 songs, and I've got 10 stars drawn Fuck right yeah, on my buddy. page right here. Yeah, yeah. I like got it. Full stars. Every, every song on this album. Yeah, yeah. I was going to ask, what do you think of um, like Psycho Cupid? Loved it. Enough. I, I liked it enough to put a star by it. A little bit of an interesting... Uh, you know, detour on, on the mm -hmm. album for sure. I felt like the honky tonk aspect, the, the fiddling pogues, you know, punk country was really cool, but I did not see a song like psycho Cupid, uh, you know, coming or, or, uh, you know, darkness and doubt. Like those were, were stretching mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. There's something just, off about those and that stretched a little bit more into that meat puppets territory someone had a, a described this band as as being you know like really far uh left wing political and they even compared them to bands like crass um in in those like yeah really leftist like anarchy bands that were popping up then in uh, 1984 1985 that that they had a real like ethos um, mentality. I thought that was interesting because a song like Psycho Cupid is is really close to stuff that like Crass was doing at the time too. So, do they owe us a living? <laughs> exactly. Of course they fucking do. <laughs> <laughs> uh, record a little bit better than Crass though. I don't think we're gonna get any of those albums. I don't think we're getting any Crass. Yeah. I feel yeah. really good about this record. Yeah, I was gonna say. I don't know how awesome. I don't know how many copies of it made it to this piece of land, but I'm gonna be looking for them. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm sure there has to be a, a reissue of this somewhere. Sure. I mean, that would work. I would. I'm. I'm. I'm no purist. I 2002, I think, was the reissue. I would take a reissue. Who, do you, Kyle? Do you know off the top of your head who reissued it? Was it Virgin or that it was? Oh, I doubt it. I'm I doubt sure it was, it was. Sin. I, because I had never heard again of anything about Sin. Well, I'll find it. <laughs> uh, Rough Trade. Oh, cool. Yep, Rough Trade did a repress of the album. All right, sounds like we're all on the positive on this one. All right, next time we'll be talking about Big Black Atomizer. All right, thanks, y'all.
Yes, and you can pick up a copy of this record for $17.79. That's, that's doable. 